Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. All right, welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I am excited to interview Megan Edinger. Um, Welcome, Megan. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm looking forward to our conversation. This is going to be so important for so many of our listeners when it comes to uh, a relevant um, topic and stage of life issue. So uh, I guess tell us a little bit more about yourself um, and how you got to this point. Sure. Um, Well, my name's Megan. I am 35 years old. I'm a wife and mom of three. Um, I actually started my journey in motherhood very early in life. So I never had that time to um, kind of that self-discovery phase. I never really learned habits and routines that were good for me, um, that kept me grounded. Right. Um, and so I kind of lived in chaos for, you know, (laughs) most of my twenties and was finally diagnosed with anxiety, um, and depression when I was in my thirties. And I always knew that I had anxiety growing up. Um, I didn't have that exact language, but in my family, we knew that we were a little high strung, um, those types of kind of languages and and behaviors. Um, So I always knew that about myself, but I was surprised by the depression diagnosis. And so, um, yeah, we can talk about, you know, my journey. I've been on medicine, off medicine, back on medicine again. Um, And, but really I've spent the last five years first of all, learning a lot about anxiety and depression um, and my own triggers and becoming way more self-aware of what I need to be proactive. I call it my mental hygiene practice Mm -hmm. um, and what I need in the moment when I'm having, um, when I'm experiencing either one of those things, what I need to do for myself um, and what I can ask of the people around me to help. Goodness. So you got starting off young, not having that time, kind of that single time when you're younger to anxiety, depression, being married, mom of three. Um, wow, you've got a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. It shows too, and, and there's so many that don't see it that way, but that life and that journey of life, there's a lot of decisions we make that have even serious consequences and impact on us, but also things we don't have control over. Yeah. Like anxiety and depression. Yeah, exactly. And I, I also think that because I started my family so young, we spent a lot of our twenties very much in hustle mode. Um, we both worked full time. We were both going to school part time. Uh, we had the three kids, so we were just always kind of on the go. So these symptoms, like I had to ignore them. I had to push through. Um, so it really wasn't until life started to slow down a little bit that they became very, very obvious. How old are the kids now? Now they are thir- or, yeah, 17, 13, and 11. Okay. So you're still in a busy stage, but it's a different yeah. kind of busy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do <laughs> you feel like an Uber sometimes? Uh, most days, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my oldest just turned 16, and it's so funny because my wife's Uber days have lessened, and it's like, oh, freedom. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because everybody keeps asking, like, Oh, how helpful is it to have a driver in the house? I'm like, he doesn't even help with the driving. It's just, (laughs) he can get himself places and that's enough right now. Yes. It relieves a little bit of the pressure. Yeah, exactly. So you've been married how long? We've been married 16 years. Nice. 
Yeah, we've so been sure together that... for 19 and, and married yep. for 16. High school sweethearts, right? Yep. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's neat. Yeah. It's neat to hear and see a successful, like doing well couple because it's it's rough starting off that young. Like you said, I don't have my habits and my routines. I'm missing something, which is a lot of what your message is, right? It's find those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also we didn't really have, we didn't know who we were as right. individuals. Right. Um, so there was a lot of times where, you know, our values were competing, um, what we wanted out of life and for our family were competing. Um, and so it took us a lot of time and a lot of work to really get on the same page with a lot of those things. And it was a lot of, you know, what am I willing to give up here? Um, and, and accept, and what are you willing to get? Like, what are we willing to compromise on? Um, because at the end of the day, we had to make that choice if we wanted to stay together, because if we were going to really dig our heels in, it was just always going to be a problem. And we were going to have to make the choice to not no longer be together. So, um, there, there was a lot of work that needed to happen. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've really been thinking about the last six months to a year is the fact is as a human, we are selfish period Mm -hmm. and no relationship works unless what you just said, unless we learn to give up stuff, we learn to sacrifice, we learn to serve another person, which is one of the most beautiful positions we can be in either as a husband, wife, but also even as a parent, Um, those little kids, like you said, you were 20, early twenties with little ones. Yeah. Um, I was 28 when I got married, I was in a different life stage. Um, and how big of a deal that is when you start off that young without some of those habits in place. What would you say are some habits you've gotten into now that have helped you learn more about yourself, but also kind of reveal some more areas that need to get, have some attention? Yeah. Um, I would say a few things. Number one, um, I am someone who needs to be physically active. Um, and whether that is like an actual workout where I'm like, getting my heart rate up and and sweating. Um, those days are really good, but even if it's just going outside and and getting a quick walk in, um, I need that. I need the fresh air. I need, Mm -hmm. um, again, just to get that kind of energy out of my body. Um, I didn't always know that about myself. And so that caused a lot of, you know, I had all this energy. I didn't know what to do with. I comes out sleeping. Right. It comes out in um, like anger, usually, yes, honestly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> frustration, short tempered, yep. all of yep. those sorts of things. Um, and really what I've learned about myself is when I'm walking or, or running, I like to run as well. Um, that's kind of meditative for me. And that's when I like get to clear my head I, and I work through problems or I think of things that are problems that I didn't realize were problems. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been really, really helpful for me, um, over the last decade really. Um, but another thing that I've implemented very recently is a bedtime routine. And I started this because I hear a lot about morning routines and I'm not a morning person (laughs) and I'm getting there. (laughs) I will never be a morning person, (laughs) (laughs) but you hear all these, you know, morning routines and get up and work out and do this and do that. And all before your kids. And it's like, I'd have to get up at four 30 in the morning and I'm just not willing to do that. Mm. Um, but even if I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, that means that I do have to go to bed, you know, probably before midnight. And so, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
I put some things in place and it, I started with, you know, just a bedtime. Mm-hmm. And then I added in a glass of sleepy time tea. And then I added in some essential oils. Nice. Um, and now I have this nice little like 20 minute ritual that I really look forward to that really helps me wind down. Oh, I don't. Yes. Um, because before I would suffer from insomnia because I had, I would go from like going to trying to go to bed and there was no, yeah, there was no good transition there. Um, but I think it's really important to, to highlight that I started with just one thing and then I added to it. Um, and that's because if you try, well, for me anyway, if I try to like implement this whole big routine tomorrow, it's no, it doesn't work. I might do it once. And then I don't do it. And then I feel like garbage because I made this promise (laughs) and I made this commitment and I can't follow through. Um, And so my, my biggest advice to someone who's looking to implement some sort of routine is to start very, very small until that new habit becomes like second nature and then add on to it. I love that. Yeah. I've always, you mentioned running and I've never, when I watch people run, I always look for the tiger chasing them. Like why they would do that. I don't know why. Yeah. Cause I don't. And it's neat to see that that's so you mentioned the word meditative, meditative, or, um, what was the other word you mentioned? Um, oh gosh. It, oh, you had a oh, great word there. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, it kind of puts your brain into a, a rhythm which yes. allowed to process in a different way. Actually, one of the words that um, has come up in a lot of even research for lately is solitude. Mm-hmm. Is we don't have a place to calm our brains down and actually deal with the content of the day or whatever it else. And that's such an important space. My, I find mine on my Harley when I'm out on yeah. my bike. That's my, so I will ride it to work every day because it's, it's in this space of the cool air and, and just that, that I can actually calm my brain down. We need those things. What are some other physical, you mentioned getting that energy out of your body. What are some other things that you found help, help you? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I want to touch on really quickly. I yeah, wasn't always a runner um, <laughs> in high school. I was an athlete. And so if you've played on any mm-hmm. kind of competitive team, you know, that when you do something bad, your coach makes you run. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and so running true. was always like a punishment. a punishment. I would always look at the cross country <laughs> team, like, God, what is wrong with those people that they want to, they want to run for three miles or five miles or whatever. Um, and now I'm in a place where I run half marathons pretty regularly. Um, and I got there because I, again, young, not a lot of money or resources or time. Um, and so running was something that all I really needed was a good pair of sneakers. Um, and I could do it in the morning. I could do it on my lunch break. I could do it after dinner, after I put the kids to bed, if it was summertime, um, I could work it into my schedule very easily. Um, and so I started with the couch to 5k program. I highly Mm -hmm. recommend, um, this was back before smartphones. So (laughs) I had to like write my workout down, like on my hand or carry a piece of paper with me. Um, back then it's much easier now with all the apps available. Um, but I definitely recommend if you're interested in running, it's not for everybody, but if it's something that you did want to try, I definitely recommend that program. Um, but otherwise I do now that I do have, it's not that I have more time. Um, that's what you're doing with your time. You're being more intentional. Yes. Yes. Being more intentional. And so, and I have a little bit more flexibility because my kids are older. So I don't always have to be, I can leave them at home for an hour to go work out. 
Um, and so I really enjoy group fitness classes, um, whether that is like a spin class or um, boxing. I really love, if you have some aggression to get out, that is a great outlet, whether it's, you know, with the, with the bags or even just um, shadow boxing, either way um, you'd be amazed at, you know, the diff- the shift that nice. your body can make. Um, those are two. And then also, um, strength-based classes, because I won't go into a gym and lift weights ever. I won't do that. Um, but I will take a class. So whether it's at home in my basement or, you know, at the Y, I know that I need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I'm not, I'm not going to do that on my own. And so I need the guidance of either the class environment or like a video or something. And that's where we need for those listening. It's really important to figure out your makeup. Mm -hmm. It's easy to hear people talk and hear people say theirs. And then you try it and it doesn't work and it fails. It didn't fail. That was the wrong fit. Mm -hmm. You need to find what fits for you for your morning or nighttime routine, for your physical exercise, your, your diet, sleep, sleep, health, sleep, hygiene, all those pieces. And the irony is the current trends of medicine and I, and I hope they continue down this road is to stop or less and less of medication only. Mm-hmm. And it's much more diet and exercise and sleep. And it's these no brainers. The problem is there's not money in that. Yeah. So- and that's such a great point. And it's something that I am act- actively struggling with right now and, and mm-hmm. have struggled with in the past. Um, when I, I hit um, a point in 2020, that was very, very low. Mm. Um, and because I had not had a good experience with anxiety medicine in the past, mm-hmm. I was basically refusing to seek help. Yes. Um, and so I, I eventually I got past that and we can get more into that if you want to in a second, but, um, yeah. I was listening to podcasts and reading these books and hearing people say things like, you know, just implement a gratitude practice or just get outside, get more vitamin D, you know, clean up your gut, like all of these things, which are helpful. Right. Um, but the reality was I was not getting out of bed and taking a shower in the morning. So do you really think that I was going <laughs> nope. to implement any of these things in my life? The answer is a big fat. No, exactly. um, that just was not realistic. Um, and so with my therapist, she helped me realize that, you know, if I, choose to take a medicine. Um, what we're looking to do is to bring me to a baseline that is very steady because what was happening was, um, after I started working with her, I I had fewer panic attacks, which was amazing. Um, but I spent a lot of time still deep in the Valley and like these, um, really low lows and not very high highs. Um, I was either at baseline or below, but mostly below, Um, and so she was like, you know, after many conversations, (laughs) um, it finally, you know, got into my brain that, you know, I can find a medicine that works Mm -hmm. and the medicine is not supposed to change my personality. It's not supposed to change who I am. It's literally just supposed to bring me to baseline so that I can experience the highs and I don't have so many lows. And when I do have lows, I don't spend too much time there because because I have this extra help. Um, But all that being said, medicine is not a magic solution. Um, You're not going to take a medicine and feel better tomorrow. You still have to go to therapy. You still have to 
you know, find these habits and routines that um, keep you in a, in a good place. I think I'm very much a proponent of treating the whole person. Nice. Um, and so now I'm in this space where I'm coming up on my, um, I have an appointment with my doctor coming up and we're going to ha- we're going to talk about the medicine thing. And the reality is I feel great and I have way more tools now mm-hmm. than when I was initially um, prescribed the medicine And part of me is like, you know, maybe it is time to talk about, you know, lowering the dosage or weaning off or something. Um, And the other part of me is kind of afraid to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, And so I I have work to do around that um, right now, but from someone who was dead set against being on any kind of medicine, um, if you are trying to implement the strategies and things. And they're just, you either can't get yourself to do them or you are doing them and you're just not seeing the change that you want. Um, finding the right doctor that's willing to have a conversation and really listen to, you know, all of your symptoms and what you're looking to get out of it. And, you know, someone who is willing to listen to you when, when the medicine doesn't work, um, it's, it's worth that frustration, um, and, and the time and the energy that it takes. Yes. You're partnering with that doctor. So you want to make sure as a doctor, you're going to listen to, and they listen to you. So many will not listen to you. They act like they're, they're a know-it-all, um, medication. I love the way that I put medication is it becomes this, there's a certain line that you cross where all those other strategies don't work. Mm-hmm. And medication brings you, like you said, to that baseline or given the way, the way that I put it is kind of get your head above water where I can breathe again and yeah. see the world for what it could be. And then kind of where you're at, if you remove that medication, a lot of people, most people I actually think can learn to maintain there, but not everybody. Right. Some will need some level of medication there to kind of hold them. And so figuring out who you are, my problem with our culture and even um, the, the medication world is it's like doctors go, here's your answer. Like you said, yeah. you said to me earlier, I think we talked earlier that, um, it w- the first time you did medication, you were missing what? Yeah. So the first time I did medication, I didn't have a primary care doctor. So I had to first find a primary care doctor. Yeah. Um, and I, she was great. Mm-hmm. I, I loved her. Um, but I went, I bawled my eyes out. I just mm-hmm. said, you know, I'm anxious all the time. I'm having panic attacks all the time. People say that there's medicine that can help with that. Give it to me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she had me do like the test, like how often do you feel this way? Does it interfere with your deal? Blah, blah, blah. You know? Um, and so that's how I got my diagnosis. So I get the diagnosis. She brings in the behavior specialist. Um, which was part of that practices process, um, before they put you on a medicine. I mean, I left that day with a prescription, but also they wanted me to talk about some things. Um, so I, I speak to the behavior therapist and she was also lovely. Um, but I, at the time there was nothing that I could like pinpoint that was causing my anxiety. Like there was no real, um, like there's nothing major happening in any specific area right. of my life that I could say, this is what's causing me stress. This is why I'm having constant panic attacks. This is the, like the problem that needs to be solved. It was just in general, 
That's why I have general anxiety, right? <laughs> Um, but she was asking things and, you know, I was explaining, you know, just life situations that were happening and, and she was, you know, validating my feelings. She said, that sounds really hard. And I was so annoyed by that because at the time I was like, this is not hard. This is normal every day. So I don't have a child that has, you know, any kind of, um, disability. Like I, this is normal mom stuff and I need to be able to wake up and be a mom every day. Like, I don't know why I can't do that. And that wasn't helpful. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I, I, at that time, I also chose not to go the therapy route because I was just so frustrated with um, that experience. But so I take the medicine and I stop having panic attacks all the time and I'm a little bit less irritable. So I take it and, you know, everything's fine, but there were certain things that were happening that I should have had more emotion around, um, that I didn't. Mm. And, Mm. but again, I also wasn't having panic attacks. So I was kind of going back and forth. Like, "Mm, is it, I like the fact that I'm not having panic attacks regularly anymore, but also like, I should have probably cried when this happened, or I should have probably been really excited when this happened. And I just wasn't, I was just kind of existing in that space, which really bothered me. Um, and I had done, I, I, I was on it for a year and I had done, like I said, a lot of research, um, and a lot of reflecting. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I had the tools and the strategies that I needed to keep myself at baseline by Mm -hmm. myself. Um, and so I spoke to my husband and I talked to my doctor and we weaned off of the medicine. Um, unfortunately for me, that was early in 2020. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) and so as it turns out, I did not actually have all of the tools and strategies that I needed to keep myself at baseline when I was faced with this, um, constant uncertainty, constant, um, stress. I mean, we've all experienced it. We know what that time was like. Um, and I think that, you know, even people that don't have a history of mental illness experience some form of anxiety and depression during that time. Um, but for me, it was way beyond anything that I have experienced before. Yeah. Which what you said earlier and and kind of what you alluded to just now is what you were missing you found later, which was in therapy, Mm -hmm. you got help. And even with that, a lot of people say, well, I tried therapy. It's like, well, you didn't find someone that you clicked with kind of like with the doctor, you got to find a teammate that, you know, they're on your side that they can listen and, and that, you know, you can go to them. Um, I've seen a lot of clients over the years where they were in therapy for years. And in the first session with me, they tell me what they haven't told the other therapist in years. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why? Cause you felt safe and with them, it felt kind of there and sometimes even just became a peer. So who you go see matters and totally the skills, you, skills you gather from that relationship. So you gather those skills, but then you said during that season, if you kind of go the, the timeline there, you got off the medication, things are getting worse. There's this co craziness going on, you know, worldwide but you were resistant to going back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of number one, resistant to going back on medicine, but um, even worse than that, I was in denial about how bad I really was. 
Um, you know, my husband would point it out. My mom would point it out. <laughs> and I was just like, everybody feels like this. And if you don't, if you say you don't, you're lying. Yep. Um, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I, we had to, um, my husband was kind of in a place where he felt like he had to walk on eggshells because I was extremely uh, irritable. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, he would never say anything to me about, you know, my behavior or what I was doing or not doing, um, until we were like in an argument. Um, and he would finally say like, I need you to go back on your medicine. Um, and what he was saying, <laughs> not in those words, but what he meant by that was, I can see that you need help. I can't help you. I know that medicine helped you please get help. Yeah. Um, but what I heard yeah. Also, he didn't say this, but what I heard was, um, I can't be with you unless you're a watered down version of yourself. Ooh, um, and so gosh. obviously that didn't land well. Um, and you know, after, you know, many therapy sessions and getting <laughs> on medicine, we had a conversation about it and I had to say, you know, it is important to me that you feel like you can come to me and say like, Hey, I'm noticing these things and it's worrisome. Um, but never, ever, ever can you say anything about my mental health in a state of some kind of argument? Never right. again. Um, That's a boundary. And so <laughs> we, <Love that> boundary. <laughs> we put that boundary in place and so far it's been great. <laughs> Good. Neat. And that's what really, if you think of marriage, marriage is meant to be where the other person's like a mirror and they help show me what I can't see, mm -hmm. how often marriages are not like that. And how many times in your marriage and in mine, how many seasons we had where the other person wasn't being honest because it was not um, safe to be, or they did not feel safe or didn't even have the words. They didn't know how to, didn't have the language. Yeah. And difficult conversations. Um, they're, they're difficult yep. and they're uncomfortable for everyone. And if you haven't spent time really, understanding each other and, um, keeping things to the intention instead of like the actual <laughs> words that are said, because we still, we still have not perfected the actual words that come out of our mouth. Right. So we kind of, we have to work together as the person who's speaking to be very mindful, but also as the person who's receiving information to remember that this is my partner. They love me. Mm -hmm. They're not like attacking. They don't mean what I just heard. Right. So and, I can and, tell them what I just heard and then they can have the opportunity to say, no, 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 no. That's not what right. I meant. <laughs> exactly. Having that, that permission back and forth to clarify. But when I do hear, like when I hear something, but I'm like, this is incongruent with who, how I see them, mm -hmm. that should be a sign. But for a lot of couples, it's not a sign. They don't see it. They end up having to decide one or the other. And so they decide to think their spouse doesn't like them anymore. Does it love them or thinks they should be on meds because they're crazy or whatever mm -hmm. else. And it's like you're misinterpreting. And so that misinterpreting causes this disconnection. So that permission to be able to say, Hey, wait a minute, I, I know you, and that doesn't line up. What mm -hmm. am I missing? Is it such a critical skill? Same for our kids. Cause we're going to do the same thing with them and miss their hearts. Um, I definitely have a, a kid that we constantly miss each other. Our personalities yeah. just clash and, like how to slow down and, or see my wife's face when she's glaring at me going, what are you doing? And, <laughs> um, 
because they each have their personalities. Yeah, it's hard and it takes a lot of work and both people have to do the work. Like you can't, in my experience, in my marriage, one person can't like just fix it. It has to be a team effort. It has, maybe one person has a little bit more work to do as an individual. Um, I think that can be true, but if you want to fix your marriage, that is a team sport. One person can't do that. Which happens too is one person might need have more work to do. So they actually do the work and the then they're in a better place and it highlights what hasn't been done on the other person. <laughs> yes. Because the truth mm-hmm. is, is there's not a time this side of death and heaven that we actually don't have things to work on and grow in and mature in and admit to. And it's a re- very revealing life. Yeah. So we're not goal isn't perfection. The goal is um, actually hopefully good influence and um, changing the world in a positive way. So. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So we've talked about medication. We talk about even depression, but I know you've got a passion for moms. Yeah. You have a, a burden for moms because you were a mom that went, ah, you were missing something. So what's mm-hmm. some of your messages and your desire to say to moms? Yeah. So we highlighted the fact that I was a very young mom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt at that time, like, like everybody else can do this better than I can. Um, you know, like why, why does that person have all of her kids in matching outfits and their hair is always done and she drives a nice car and she's at every PTA meeting. And like, why does she have her life together? And my life is chaos. Mm -hmm. Like what's wrong with me. Um, And again, back then there really wasn't social media like there is today. So that was just my perception of people that I knew in real life um, and, and how I saw them in real life interactions. So now we're in this time where you have the people in in real life, but then you also have social media and I love social media. I've made a lot of friends actually on social media and I found community on, on social media, but I can see how it can also be a really dangerous place. And I have had to actually clean up my own social media feeds because I was following people who were aspirational to me, but then also realized that when I would see their com their um, content on my feed that it would actually like trigger something in me that made me feel bad. And so, yes, yes. Um, And so when you're consuming all of this content, even if it's someone who seems like they share a lot and they, they see, uh, or they they share like more real content, um, it's still only what they choose to show you. Curated. Yes. Yes. Um, And so uh, my message to moms is that whatever it is that you are dealing with, whether it is um, a a child that just has behaviors that you can't get control of or issues in your marriage or your mental health or whatever it is that you're struggling with, I can promise you that there are other moms out there that are experiencing the exact same thing. So even the people who you admire and, and, you know, think that they have it all together and, um, you know, their house is always clean and just everything about them is perfect. Um, even they have things going on in their life that, that, um, that are hard and, or maybe that are scary and it might be different things than what you're dealing with, but 
the reality is that life is hard for everyone. Um, you know, it's sometimes it's easier in different phases of life or in different seasons, but we all have stuff going on that really nobody else knows about. Um, and so my number one passion is really just to make sure that no other mom ever feels like she's alone. Um, but additionally, that if she is struggling with her mental health or if she's experiencing, um, these symptoms of anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. that she thinks are normal because we've kind of normalized that in motherhood, um, that she now sees that they're not actually normal and that help is available. Right. Yeah. And your podcast is called, it's called the no BS mama. Love that. (laughs) Oh, the no BS mama. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sickening what we actually do, the expectations that we have on ourselves. There's a I think it was Cal Newport in his book, Digital Minimalism, did a good job of highlighting um, the way that social media and just smartphones and all this is impacting us negatively. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he talks about is how um, when Apple instituted the, the what was it called, the screen time feature on their phone, the reason was social media and women killing themselves, specifically <gasps> girls. Yeah. And it was like, because of the, the rise in girls killing themselves, this needs to be monitored in a different way. I think we're going to get more and more data. We, we have it, but it needs to be louder that these tools are a great resource and a dangerous tool. Mm-hmm. And so the book, uh, Coddling of the American Mind, another great book, he says, I would not give a kid a smartphone or a teenager a smartphone unless I would entrust them with a pistol first. Yeah. And he said, which one's more dangerous? He said, I believe the smartphone is more dangerous. I'm like, dude, that's because every even middle school and elementary school is getting these things and it's hurting us. Mm-hmm. I, I came into classes past week where I teach. And I said, you saw the pictures I posted last week on Instagram and Facebook. Some of you, we were skiing and snowmobiling and camping last week. It was our spring break. I was like, I didn't post the one the next day where 24 hours after skiing, my wife about killed me with the food she cooked because I have Crohn's stuff. (laughs) And so I'm like, she tried to kill me and I'm laying in the bathroom, head over the toilet, puking and having a Crohn's flare up. Mm -hmm. We don't post those. Some people post those and they need to stop doing that too, but we don't post that. We post the highlight reel. And that's part of why this is so dangerous and the way we compare and that comparison factor is huge. But it's interesting because what I said was actually women. So it's like, what's killing our boys? Yeah. I have two boys or three boys. You have two. I have two boys and a girl, two boys and a girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're hurting our boys. How? And that's the data there is interesting because it's different than, than girls. Yeah. Um, Social media, <laughs> the, the, the scary thing about social media is that it's ever evolving yeah. and kids evolve with social media and parents tend not to. <laughs> um, and so what happens, what I see happen is, you know, these kids have all of these different apps that the parents aren't even aware exist. Right. Um, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, all of these things. 
Um, one of the things that my kids hate about having such young parents is that we have all of these apps and we use them to communicate with our friends too. Yep. <laughs> um, so we know what goes on on these apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had a child that was bullied in school and um, he desperately wanted these apps on his phone because that's how like. I don't, if you don't know this, but teenagers don't use like text messaging to teenagers is what email is to like millennials. Like we just don't use email. They don't use text messaging. They use Snapchat. That's how they communicate. Um, And he desperately wanted Snapchat. And I was like, these kids are making your life a living hell at school. And I'll be damned if they do that to you in your bedroom. And so you can hate me all you want to. I do not care. We're not doing this. And, you know, now he's older and he, and he has it. Um, but yeah, he's stewarding it now. He's mm-hmm. older and he is stewarding it. Yeah. That's not, you don't let your little kids steward something they should not be stewarding. Like you even said, these kids are getting bullied on every level from an email to a text message to Facebook to Instagram to Snapchat to a TikTok. And it's like, versus when it was just face to face and you walked away. Yeah. And then how many of them it's happening in their own bedroom. Um, Horrifying, horrifying. All these things that parents need to at least think through and maybe talk to others. We're we're meant to live in community, which you have a Facebook community that's for moms, right? Specifically for moms and Mm -hmm. getting together, seeing that you're not alone having conversations, struggling together, wrestling together. We need those people in our life. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing um, specifically for girls is the filters on social media. Like they look fun and they look cute, but if you look, they change like your actual facial features. And so I've, I don't remember the name of this doctor. And I really wish that I even remember the podcast that um, I heard this on, but there was a psychologist mm-hmm. on a podcast and she was saying that she had patients, young teen girls that would come into her office and with terrible self-esteem mm-hmm. um, because they were comparing themselves to pictures of their friends on Instagram. Right. And the doctor was like, okay, but this is a filter. Like, you know, this person in real life, you know, that this is not what they look like. And still, this is doing something to your psyche to make you feel like you're not good enough. Like that is scary. Oh, it's so scary. Yeah. So we should all live in the woods, disconnect internet, (laughs) no smartphones. This is what I'm gathering here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the reality is you can't hide from it. Right. right. And so So it's a stewardship thing. Exactly. And that's a hard word when you're talking to a, you know, 10 year old, um, our teenagers, goodness gracious, they can't sometimes steward their own hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how to begin preparing them to steward actually a whole lot more than I wish that were on them because it's, Mm -hmm. it isn't helpful to just isolate them and hide them from the world. Like some people do it's how to manage these things is so critical. Yeah. And to talk about it and to monitor the phones and the apps, um, you know, there's, I know that people have very strong feelings about like privacy and all those types of things. Um, 
I have very strong feelings that I pay for that phone and that that phone is more mine than it is yours. And I'll open it and (laughs) (laughs) And it can be yours. Yeah. Well, not, I don't even say that because my kids are very resourceful. They will, they will find a thousand dollars. Gotcha. Um, (laughs) Smart. Well, well played. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm the mom and you live here and that's my phone. Um, And again, they don't necessarily love that. um, But for us and our family, that's a rule that we have in place. But when did you set that rule in place? You didn't all of a sudden out of nowhere, set it in place when they were 15. You set it in place when they were younger. Exactly. Yep. So these are the rules in our home and you know, you don't have to love them and you don't even have to like me right now. Um, (laughs) but your dad and I were on the same page with this and, um, this is a non-negotiable. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause we're raising up young people to be young adults and to be competent adults that can handle life and choices and stress and all that other kind of stuff, not just protecting. Definitely not a parenting expert, but what has worked for us in our house is the fact that we are willing to have conversations. So our kids are welcome to challenge our rules. Mm-hmm. Um, they're welcome to, you know, share their point of view. And sometimes we will, you know, change the way that we do things. Absolutely. Um, you're, you're in sometimes a Sometimes we don't. Yes, exactly. Still the final veto. <laughs> yes. Final authority. Yeah. Yeah. And so in our house, that's helpful because you know, they know when we say no, um, it's because we have a reason. It's not just because we have fun saying no, or it's this, you know, my house, my rules type of situation. Um, and so we don't have a lot of arguments when we do say no. Right. I love that. And that's so important. Um, being able to talk through, um, be able to go there with certain hard topics. The first book I wrote was called, I can't say that. And it talks about talking to your kids about sex and gender. Why? Because we need to talk earlier than rather than later, preparing them, not waiting until it just happens to come up and yeah. it doesn't. And the, the other book I wrote was called going beyond the talk as in, we don't have just the talk. It's the idea of creating a home culture of, we're going to talk about all these issues. I like to use the news. I like to use movies and TV shows, anything that's going to spark conversation around the dinner table or, in the evening at night or when we're on a, on, on a road trip or something to help them think through. Cause that's what, again, we're developing young people to, that can think for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And now you've got a Facebook group and what do you do with that? Like, what's your purpose there? Yeah. So the Facebook group is um, just to bring together like-minded moms. Um, if you have ever been in a um, Facebook group for moms, they tend to be uh, very catty, very judgmental. Um, and so my goal is to provide a place where you can come and, you know, share what you're going through and, and ask for advice. Um, and the people that are responding are, um, not responding from a place of you should have known better. And I can't believe you did this, but more from a place of this is what has worked for me. Um, and with all of my content, um, with my podcast, I bring on experts to share, you know, their expertise. Um, and I bring on other moms to share their experience as moms, um, all through the lens of take the advice that sounds good to you and leave the advice that doesn't, because at the end of the day, there's no to do anything. Um, and there's, 
you know, things that will work for some kids will work for and that'd be true of the household, let alone, um, you know, your kid versus somebody else's kid. Yes. And we really get lost when it comes to our, again, that comparison factor mm-hmm. listening to others, thinking that's what we need to do. Then I even, I, some of my own health issues, I read a book about health and the forward was written by a doctor. So I went and saw that doctor and he was like, I hate that that book was written because people take it as prescriptive. They try to yeah. do what it says. And then when it doesn't work, they're upset. And I was like, well, that's me. <laughs> he needed to evaluate me. And he was like, you're doing it wrong. Cause there isn't just one cookie cutter way of right. in these health issues or dealing with kids or parenting or marriage. So it's like how to, uh, how to be able to be teachable is probably one of the be- best things. I love that your Facebook group is about having good conversations and giving tools, not just whining. Cause it's true. There's yeah. so groups. I'm on so many, so many marriage groups and it's just so much whining and no solutions. Yeah. And, you know, the idea is to be open to experimentation, right? Try things on for size, see what works, see what doesn't, because you're never going to know until you try. Um, But also when something doesn't work, it's not because you're inherently bad or that there's something wrong with you or your spouse or your child. It just didn't work. Move on, try something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your heart, Megan, because you also, when we were talking about So what do you want mothers and others even listening to this podcast to take away from this? Your, your, I guess, final heart's desire is, and what did you say? Yeah, my, my final heart's desire is um, just know that you're not in this alone. Um, And if you are experiencing any kind of symptoms of anxiety, depression, or, or any sort of mental health um, complication, know that there are resources available to you and know that you should use them. Um, and know that there's no shame in that. And, you know, a lot of, there's some stigma that, you know, if you need help in these areas, it makes you like a weak person. Um, and I would argue quite the opposite, you know, right. when you find help and you seek the help and you're willing to do the work, it proves that you are a very strong person. Um, and you're able to be just a better version of yourself for yourself, number one, but also for the people that you love. So reach out and find help. But kind of to add to that, you got to click with the person that's going to help you. You've got to be able to work as a team. So if you don't move on, find someone else. Yes. Uh, Find someone you can work with. This is so, so critical. Well, I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you have your podcast, the no BS mama podcast. Yep. Facebook group, same one, right? We'll have links in the, the description or the, the notes as well. Um, and what are your, well, how else can they reach out and, and talk with you? Yeah. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. I'm, I'm happy to chat in the DMS with you there. Um, I actually love doing that. So I know that people always feel a little bit weird when they, you know, should I, should I send this? Should I not send it? Yes, please. <laughs> what was your Instagram handle? It's at Megan.Edinger. Great. So we'll make sure we put that in there as well. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Great talking with you and good uh, meeting you and excited to see um, what you have before you and your future, not only with your kids. I call my kids, my experiments um, <laughs> with kids and also in your marriage and your mental health. I believe we all have a mental health. So it isn't 
do you have a mental health? We all do. And it's a matter of stewarding that, managing that, and being wise, getting the resources we need. Because um, they are out there, I promise. Exactly. All right. Bless you. Great talking with you. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.